I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Episode 135 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How's it going, man? Uh, JP, it's uh, it's a busy week. I got a lot going on. Um, I have, ironically, uh, upset a lot of Iowa State fans on my other show. I don't say I did more. Andy Mitz, who was on my show, upset a lot of Iowa State fans by saying they should be worried about Kansas' offense potentially like beating Iowa State. I don't agree with that take. But I did put the clip out on Twitter just to rile up the Iowa State fans because, you know, I got to promote my show. And if it means making Iowa State fans lose their minds, then I'm going to do it. No, I'm good with that. That's one of the, that kind of goes back to any publicity is good publicity. You're going to get people, even if they're angry, to listen to your show. So I, I, I don't blame you there at all. I, I don't know if any publicity is good publicity. Um, there's some things that you might not want to do to try and build your brand but uh for the most part yeah as long as you're not you know a racist you're probably okay yeah for sure and philip and i are actually joined by a a third guy today a third man in the booth tonight is former oklahoma state punter kip smith he was on the team in 2013 and 2014 he was the holder on the game-winning kick by ben grogan in uh bedlam in 2014 to help the cowboys win in norman and he's joining us tonight kip how's it going man thank you for joining us today Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's going on great. It's going great. Could be better with a couple more OSU wins, but other than that, it's going good. We we are all feeling that. So we'll we'll just can I just to- hold on? Can I can I just say uh, you were part of like two of the most polar opposite seasons? Oh no, kidding! Like, of the Mike Gundy era, you have the 2013 where they were a dropped interception away from winning the Big Twelve, and you have 2014, which was a nice start, and then just. I mean, that was the season we all pointed to of like, ugh, that was that was awful. Like, I'm curious, you know, uh, we, we compared last year to 2014 a lot because it was a weird transition year and things just weren't quite going right and it was an odd year. And now we're in a season where they're four and three and, you know, fans are upset. Things aren't going well. Um, the, the expectations for this season are kind of starting to drop. How is, especially your experience in 2014, what's the vibe in the locker room right now and, and inside the program that, that fans just don't know about? Um, I think the first thing is, I think the most thing everyone sees is the product on Saturdays. I mean, obviously, you see the losses or you see the wins, but the work that goes in during the week, I mean, they're not taking any time off. I can guarantee you the coaches, whatever the NCAA rule is for the amount of hours that they're allotted to use. And uh, I'm assuming that the practices are pretty tough. Um, they're probably going to be running a little bit more than they're used to doing in the in the season. Um, but from what I've kind of seen 
Um, I don't see a whole lot of guys with their body language hanging their heads or throwing their hands up out of frustration. Um, I think it's just kind of a young team that's that's just kind of struggling to get it all together and make it click. So with that said, then what do you think is going – how do you see a turning point happening here? Because you said, you know, they seem to be doing everything right, but the product isn't on the field. Is it just because we have a lot of young and inexperienced guys? Is it that little bit of extra practice? What do you think uh, goes into, you know, turning this thing around? Um, I mean, I think it, I think a lot of it just has to do on just young experienced guys. I mean, obviously the weird thing about it is their best players are kind of more veterans. Uh, Wallace and Hubbard, obviously they're juniors. Or I mean, Wallace is a redshirt sophomore, or not Wallace uh, Hubbard. He's a redshirt sophomore, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I mean, <clears throat> the best players are uh, <clears throat> more experienced guys. I mean, you can kind of tell that the team is leaning on them in big spots, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I just think it just comes with experience. Um, those younger guys. I mean, it's painful to to give up a lot of yards on defense or give up turnovers or whatever it is. I mean, it's tough, but I mean, everyone, you learn from it, especially at a younger age. Um, and I just kind of think of, well, Sanders is there for the next three years. You kind of look at the Baylor quarterback. He struggled his freshman year, but man, he looked like a, a seasoned vet last Saturday. And I mean, Sanders only has <clears throat> more room to grow in the future. So what is it you've seen of him that – I mean, we all think he's super talented, and we all think that his ceiling is very high. And obviously this is his first time starting. Um, college is very, very different than high school. A lot of the things he does are things a lot of high school quarterbacks have trouble with when they get to college um, because there's things that worked in high school that suddenly don't work when you're not just far more talented than everybody else. But what are some things you've seen from him that you really like uh, so far? Yeah, I think you're kind of spot on. I think just the way the game's evolving, um, especially you see it more from college to the NFL, uh, the systems that the quarterbacks are in, and you take it one step uh, lower to high school to college, the systems that the quarterbacks, pretty much every quarterback is running a variation of a spread, but it's always different depending on your team because the skill guys you have and the defense. It's completely different high school to college at the quarterback level. Um, man, I just I like how he's kind of a gunslinger. I mean, a lot of people don't like that. I mean, I'm more of a guy where, man, if he's he's just trying to go out there and make a play, and the only way he's going to learn not to throw or force a pass on a third down is by throwing an interception. Um, I mean, he'll learn from his mistakes, but I like how he's a gamer, gunslinger. Um, kind of reminds me of a faster Mahomes, but uh, I mean, he's got a ways to go. But man, I, I kind of like how he's he goes out there and he he, uh, he leaves it all out on the field, and that's hard to find. You can't can't really coach that. And if his ceiling is a, what Patrick Mahomes is, then we're in for a treat in Stillwater here in a couple of years. But I, I want to go over to the special team side because obviously that is your area of expertise. The last couple of years, there have been some significantly bad things that we've seen from the special teams unit overall at Oklahoma State. This year, it feels like we've kind of turned a corner there, and we don't see really those 
gaffes that we've seen in 2017 and 2018. What have you seen from them that you think they've improved on from the last couple of years to what we've seen this season? Uh, I think just playing it smart, uh, playing fundamental on special teams. Um, a lot of the, uh, you could tell a lot of the, more of the starters, um, other than Stoner or uh, LD King uh, returning. I mean, a lot of the, the starters aren't really starters on special teams. So where in years past, a lot of the starters on defense or offense have been running down on special teams. So, I mean, that's just another play they're more tired on. Um, I think they look efficient on special teams. I definitely think it's an emphasis. As you can tell, they've been working on it. A couple new schemes that they put in, that fake, that fake punt they ran was great. Um, and I don't think that Gundy likes running a whole lot of fakes. So when I saw that, I said, man, I was whoever drew that up. Give that man a raise. <laughs> yeah, that, that was awesome to see. Cause I, I can't remember the last time I've seen a fake punt from Oklahoma City. Did they run any when you were there in 13 or 14? Um, we actually didn't have one in the playbook. I don't know if that was because I wasn't athletic or, uh, or not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we actually, the final game my senior year when we beat OU, we were actually supposed to run a fake punt. The first one that we put in in our entire, the entire time I've been there, we were going to run it on that punt with seven minutes left in the game. And we had called it, and we're down two touchdowns. And thankfully, Jeremy Seaton called out of it. I mean, I wanted I wanted him to run it, but uh, <laughs> thankfully he he called out of it because OU was in safe defense. The win, man! If we would have ran that fake punt, I don't think we win that game. So That's going wild. Into, yeah, it's it's crazy how a play like that can flip you know the entire complexion of a game. But going uh, talking about a fake field goal or fake punt what goes into making a play like that work is it just the sheer you know just on you know being it being completely unexpected is it a design because it really felt like i think both of those really kind of went hand in hand on that fake punt that oklahoma state ran on saturday where no one saw it coming whereas we saw the fake field goal against texas it, it was a very predictable time and place for oklahoma state to do it and it worked perfectly and tom hutton who i didn't know could throw football looked like you know, like he could—he's done it forever. Um, yeah. You know, so it, it was awesome to see. And so, what goes into, you know, kind of a behind-the-scenes look of what goes into making a fake punt or field goal work? Yeah, he definitely had some uh, some tight spiral on that ball. Um, I think it's definitely—I think it's really week to week on scheming it up of what what the other team does. Obviously, Baylor—they're more of a man-to-man. Um, trying to just get a good return off of it. They're not really rushing the punt. Um, the first giveaway I saw was that <clears throat> Hutton ran to his right and he's left-footed. So that should have been the first giveaway. Um, but when you watch the replay, I think they only sent one guy after the punt. And uh, uh, OSU was free-releasing off the line, and those guys were – Baylor's defense was staying with them. So I think those things you just see on film – and uh, after you punt it once or twice during the game, if they're not staying on on the on guys that are in the shield or, or paying attention too much or being disciplined on, on fourth down, I mean, you, you roll the dice on it there. Um, other than that, 
Oof, most fakes don't really work. And we kind of saw that with the fake field goal earlier in the season. Um, I mean, you're really rolling the dice, but you got to have some, uh, you got to have some guts to call it because if it doesn't work, everyone's looking at you like, man, the heck was that? You called that up. (laughs) It's it's basically a turnover. So you gotta, you gotta make sure that scheme is perfect and they're doing exactly what, what you expect them to do. So let's ask this. A lot of, of fans and media have called for Gundy to actually hire a special teams coordinator. You know, they've, they've got some grad assistants and some non-coaches kind of coaching it while he actually handles it during games. I'm curious, do you, from what you've seen the last few years of Gundy running the special teams, do you think that that's something they need to do, that they should go ahead and try and hire a special teams coordinator? Or do you think it really matters um i mean i'm kind of 50 50 on it i wish they'd hired me but uh <laughs> i'm just kidding i don't want to do that <laughs> um no i mean gundy definitely uh has a has a role in special teams but i kind of go off of uh of uh frank beamer i mean up until he retired he was still coaching special teams so it's definitely i think it's something where he can really kind of be in charge of something, but still have another coach um, really calling and calling the plays and really coaching it up, but still being able to oversee it and kind of have his hand in it. Um, if they get a special teams coach, I think that'd be great. But at the same time, um, especially in the Big 12, it's it's kind of every team free releases on punt. Um, it's really either that or most teams don't punt because there's so many points being played. I can see where a lot of Big 12 teams don't carry special teams coordinators or want to, um, but I'd be more for you know a running backs coach being also the special teams coach um, rather than just a special teams coach only um, that takes up a takes up a pretty valuable spot on the staff. So this is probably the last this is the last question I really have about special teams, and then we can move on to Iowa State and some other stuff. But you've posted on Twitter some you've done some metrics and some analytics when it comes to special teams, punting, kicking, all that. And what have you seen from Tom Hutton? We talked about him with the fake, but looking at your metrics and stuff, what have you seen from him that he's been very good at? And what do you think he can improve on in his first year of American football? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely impressive for uh I mean, a guy that's really never, never done it, um, to being able to, uh, he's, if I were to guess, I don't know exact his exact number, but I guess he's averaging about 38, 39 yards a punt. And I think he's netting every yard of that. So the way I see it is in college football, if you can net 38, 39 yards, 40 yards, I mean, that's great. Um, that'll be top in the nation if you're netting that whereas you can bang it down the field 60 yards and, and the kind of guys returning it and the kind of coverage that you're going to get i mean you're giving up 15 20 yards every time um so his kicks the way he he does the australian end over end uh, which are kind of designed to be 40 to 45 yards um 
punts and kind of those Australians can put it wherever wherever they want. It's not a huge punt, but most of the time you're going to net every yard of it, which he's which he's done. Um, I think the one one which I've seen, especially in that Texas Tech game, by the way he drops the football, it's very hard to do those kind of punts into or if there's a really big side wind, especially at, at Tech and he'll have a couple games in Oklahoma where it's really windy and uh, that wind will blow the ball a little bit. So, I mean, that'll come with experience um, as well for him where he's punting it. But, man, he's doing a pretty good job um, punting the football. And uh, I think Amendola need to get some more love, too. He's oh, no uh, doubt about I it. I don't think he's missed a kick this year. I need to start the Dola for uh, – uh, what is it? Groza. Dola for Groza. <laughs> Yeah, because the extra point wasn't his fault. The the missed extra point against uh, against Baylor. Well, now let's see. The Baylor one was tipped. Is that right? Yeah, that was the first kick he missed all season. Okay. Yeah, I think that was. Yeah, I was actually sitting right there too. Um, but yeah, I forgot about that. Never mind. His grows up campaign might be over. <laughs> uh, no, but, no, I mean he's he's actually he's kicking it really well. Um, his his kicks are. Man, he's got it. He's got a nice spin on it. Um, man, he's been—he's really improved the last couple of years from when he was when he first started. Yeah, he's ten on—he's ten for ten. I hate to knock on—he's ten for ten field goals so far on the season, which is—we don't even talk about it, and we haven't talked about it because we only care if they miss. At least, least appreciated yeah. players on the on the field. Kickers and, and offensive linemen. We only care about them when they screw up. Exactly. Yeah, about to say kick uh, kickers and, and the head coach are pretty similar. When they're when they're winning, everything's going good. You never notice it, but man, when they start losing, everyone wants to cut them. <laughs> <laughs> they start well, losing uh, you know, the field goal. Everything. People don't like it, but hey, it's a part of it. It's part of the game. Let's talk about. I know we're talking about Iowa State. Let's talk about Gundy. Um. Obviously, you know we had the press conference on Monday, and he seemed I don't know, heated is the right word, but he's he. You can tell the 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 past season and a half are maybe getting to him a little bit. I don't think it's so much. Uh, some people are sure it's the outside noise and all this other stuff. I don't think it's that. I think he a he care he cares. If your thought process is Mike Gundy doesn't care as much as he used to anymore, I don't have time for you. Like that's the laziest take I've ever heard. Obviously, he doesn't care. Whatever. Um. But I do think he himself is really unsatisfied with where the team has been the last season and a half. Um, so what do you, just from, from having played for him, what do you think is going through his head right now? Where do you think he's kind of at with, with trying to figure out how to, how to turn things around this team? Right. Yeah, I definitely don't. I definitely think he cares. And I know it because, uh, man, he's dog-cussed me for shanking punts especially when we were up by about 40 points so he definitely cares uh, and he's involved in everything on the game he definitely cares um i mean he's i can see his frustrations um just because times have times have kind of changed in the big 12 where i mean games that everyone's kind of expected i mean texas tech baylor um those kind of games, even Texas, almost are, everyone's used to 
used to winning those games. Um, me personally, I just saw a lot of changes. I know the defense, they kind of switched from uh, three, four to I think they're running like a four, two, five this year, which I thought was kind of weird. Um, and then plus a new offensive coordinator. Personally, I think it's just a lot of different things that have been put into the team this year is just kind of what's been causing the struggles. But um, Gunny just doesn't, from what I've seen, Gunny just doesn't want to hear excuses. He just, I mean, he just tells you, hey, get it done. Like, that's just his philosophy. And uh, it's a pretty simple one. Um, coaches coach, the players make plays, and he just expects, expects you to get it done has high expectations for everyone, coaches and players, and obviously both sides haven't been meeting it the last couple weeks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So let's move into the Iowa State game real fast. Mm-hmm. So you played, you played at Ames in 2013, correct? Correct. What was that environment like? And obviously, Iowa State is a completely different program than they were in 2013 to now. But what was your experience like playing in Jack Trice Stadium? Oh, man, it was cold. Cold and windy. It was... uh, Iowa State would be really fun if you uh, went to school there. But other than that, man, it is cold, windy. Those fans... Probably they probably talk the most trash than any other fans in the Big Twelve. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely a, a definitely a college environment. And actually, when I played there in 2013, that is the same game. I think we were up by like 40 or 50, and I shanked a punt in the fourth quarter with like two minutes left. And I think Gundy ripped me for a solid two minutes straight. And that was <laughs> that was kind of. My only memory, like, man, we're up by 40. Shank a punt, like, 15 yards. Man, it was not a good day. But uh, <laughs> Iowa, State's, Iowa State's a fun place. I mean, I know this right now is at 10 and a half. If I pay attention to a little bit of that stuff. But uh, I think that the uh, – man, I, I just have a hard time not seeing Glass, Gundy on them this week like no other. And I, I, I'd say they'd cover. I'll say they'll cover those ten and a half points, and I think they'll they'll put a lot better uh, product out on the field on Saturday. So I, obviously, you uh, you made the joke before we came on air. You you know nobody watches as much football as this, as the uh, the punter and the and the kicker and the the long snapper because uh, they get to just sit there and watch all game long. What have you seen from this team overall that you think you know that? Do you think they could maybe change and fix to try and improve for this weekend moving forward? Um, I mean, like I said earlier, I like their body language, which I think is kind of coached from Glass and Gundy. Um, I mean, nobody's throwing up their hands in frustration or complaining or getting in fights on the field, anything stupid like that. 
uh, from being frustrated. I think that they're a disciplined team for the most part. Um, what I would do is try to find a way to give the ball to the playmakers a little bit more. Um, obviously, everyone knows how good Chuba and Tylen are. Um, but I think I listened to the radio on the way home. Do you remember the last time Oklahoma State had a kickoff return for a touchdown? It was it 2013? Uh, or no, it was 14? It was, it was 14. Well, 14 because it was all Tyreek Hill had the last kickoff and the last punt return, I believe. Yes. And kickoff was uh was Tiger Hill in the Iowa No, the Kansas game. Tiger Hill in the Kansas game, that's how they won. Yep. So Kansas and Iowa State he had kickoff returns for touchdowns. Um I mean that Kansas kickoff, I mean that was a game changer. So me being more biased, I think on special teams, I mean that's that's really what changes these games, especially in the big twelve when it starts getting this deep in the season. Um, you know, you remember when Des Bryant was returning kicks, returning punts, Tyreek mm-hmm. returning kicks, punts, Gilbert, Josh Stewart. I mean, I, I just think they need to put someone back there. That's really give, give your playmakers the best, best opportunity with the ball. Um, that, with that being said, I mean, kick returns, punt returns, they've been, punt returns have been better than they have been. Um, but I think you can uh, switch a couple things up on kick returns and uh, and get a little better field position for the for the quarterback, especially being young. I think when I watched the game this last Saturday, they returned. Uh, I think the first four kickoffs they had the ball. I think Oklahoma State started. I wasn't keeping too many stats because I was in the stands, but it looked to me like Oklahoma State was starting from. Uh, before their 20-yard line on their first couple kickoffs, kickoff returns. Uh, um, whereas if you just t- take a fair catch, you get a 25. Um, with a young quarterback like that, I think little things like that kind of add up where if he's facing some adversity and, man, he's on his 15-yard line, throw off the offense or try to help him out a little bit. Um, that's what I'd like to see. And then on, on offense, I mean, like I said, um, just get the playmakers of the ball. Players make plays. Um, I don't really have a whole lot else to say about the play calling, but uh, yeah, there's just get get it done. Like what Gundy says, just get it done. Get it to playmakers, and I, I think they'll, they'll they'll scheme up something where they can get that done this week. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you're talking about the kickoff returns inside the 20. It seems like because Oklahoma State puts two guys back there, and predominantly this season it's been L.D. Brown and Landon Wolf. and I don't think I've ever seen Landon Wolf actually return a ball. It seems to be, if you're on special, if you're on the opposing special teams, it's kick it to L.D. Brown because he's not the, he's the change of pace back from Chuba. So mm-hmm. he's not as dynamic in the open field as some of these other guys. So you wonder if maybe Oklahoma State goes and gets like Brayden Johnson or Thomas Harper, one of these just quick twitch guys, and then it's pick your poison between him and Landon Wolf. I think that would be an interesting thing for Oklahoma State to do. But LD Brown has been pretty sure-handed this year, so I'm I'm curious what what they do. But I think that would be an interesting way to change things up on kickoff return and hopefully get Oklahoma State better field position. Right. Yeah, that's how – I could be wrong, but I'd like to say Justin Gilbert started off his career as kick returner. 
before he was playing corner. That sounds right. So, I mean, I, I'd love to see just, man, tell your returners out there, hey, if it's a high kick and it's placed in a corner, just take the fair catch. But if this kick, I mean, it's low and you got a chance, you got some speed, hey, take that thing out and we'll see what happens. So, you just got to roll the dice a little bit and uh, you put someone athletic back there with the ball and you block for them, good things should happen. You can go ahead, Philip. Oh, I'm kind of asked up. I mean, I, I I'm curious, Kip. What have what have you uh, what have you been up to since your Oklahoma State days? Man, I've been doing everything. Uh, <laughs> now I uh, I went I signed with the Eagles afterwards, and then uh, got cut in the final cuts there, and then I stayed as a free agent for I gave myself three years to try to make a team. Uh, I was trying out for teams uh here and then up in canada um and then i just i settled moved down to texas here my wife got a job in alito high school um so we just picked up our stuff moved down here and she's uh she's teaching over there i tried out professional wrestling for a little bit that didn't work um now i'm just working a normal job crunching numbers Okay, so let's back up for a quick second here. <laughs> we got a few things. We got a few, I got, let's, we got a few things to unpack here, but let's talk about professional wrestling for a second. How did you get into that? And even though you said it didn't work out, what was that experience like? Um, well, I mean, obviously I watched wrestling. I still kind of watch it now, not as much as I used to when I was a kid. Um, but it was actually, I noticed on on Twitter when I was playing by the guy named Jerry Briscoe, who was in the WWE hall of fame. He wrestled at Oklahoma state. And, uh, I think after one of our games, he said something. I was like, Oh man, Briscoe, like you're a legend. And then I started, we started talking to him from there. And I was like, man, Briscoe, I want to be a professional wrestler. Cause they had WrestleMania in Dallas a couple years ago. And I went and I was like, man, this is sweet. I want to do this. And he said, hey, well, I'll fly you out for a tryout for WWE if you want to try it out. I was like, okay, I'll try it out. I go out there. It was like a week-long tryout at the Performance Center. And I was probably the smallest guy there. And I'm a pretty husky guy. Uh, Probably the smallest guy there. These guys were just, man, they're rocked up. I'd never really done any rolling around like that on mats. It was just cardio for a week straight, hitting the mats, and then trying to get in front of a camera to pitch yourself to getting a job there. It was, I thought it was a blast. I mean, it was hard as heck. Um, unfortunately, they didn't see the talent that I saw in me. Uh, um, <laughs> but, uh, man, it was a good experience. And uh, fellow, uh, fellow Poke, uh, Jerry Briscoe helped me out. What an awesome story. <laughs> that is, <laughs> if nothing else, that's just a cool story to have forever. That is, that's awesome. Yeah. I tried doing, I tried doing a, a couple like wrestling schools. Um, and the maths were not as nice as the WWE ones. And, uh, I so, said, you know what? I think it's time to hang her up. I'll just watch this on TV. <laughs> 
That's funny. I feel like I could unpack more of that, but that's just awesome. All right, let, let's go back to the <laughs> to the Iowa State game for a sec. We need we Philip and I always do two predictions going into the game. We do we do a score and then a uniform. So what you got for yeah. us? Uh, let's see the score here. I haven't watched a whole lot of Iowa State other than them getting uh, burned out by the stun at Baylor, um, which they did put up twenty. I think they put up twenty in that game. Uh, let's. I'm, I'm gonna go Oklahoma State twenty-eight, Iowa State twenty-four. Ooh, picking a oh, W yeah. in Ames. Okay. I'm. I'm saying. I'm telling you, man. I. I thought that this last week for homecoming, Gundy was gonna get them. It was gonna be a rough week for him. Gundy get them on the right track. I was wrong. This is gonna be the week. <laughs> so I think I think they'll go into Ames, get a win. Um and I think they'll play hard. <clears throat> uh uniform wise, you gotta watch old Justin there. He's always trying to keep you on your toes. I think they'll go uh <clears throat> orange helmets, white jerseys, and white pants. Okay. Okay. And that's my final answer, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Joel, you want to you want to take this one next? Sure. So I I am not near as optimistic as Kip, and I, I respect that because there needed to be at least one of us. Otherwise, people will probably just shut the podcast off at this point. But <laughs> I will. Uh, I'm gonna go. I I just don't say. I've been saying. I've been this way pretty much all season when we did our early season predictions before the year started. I picked the Oklahoma State to lose this game, and I I stand by that. Unfortunately, at this point. But I think, like you said, I think Oklahoma State's going to play tough. I don't think they're going to roll over. Uh, they they find they're going to find a way to stay in the game. But I just think Iowa State pulls away late. I'm going to go Iowa State 34-24. And for uniforms, see, I was thinking orange, white, white, but I think that's what they did at Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Or they no, they might have done uh, orange, white, black. orange, white, black. Yeah, that's right. I was thinking that, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go black, white, black. With g- give give me Phantom Pete. I, I'm a I'm a Phantom Pete enthusiast. Philip is as well. How do, how do you feel about Phantom Pete there, uh, there Kip? Big fan of Phantom Pete. Halloween season. Phantom Pete coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They should just make it a night game at Iowa State. Let's not get too. <laughs> oh, Ames no. is weird. No, no, let's no. not get let's <laughs> not get too weird here. But yeah, I'm, my my official prediction: Iowa State thirty four twenty four, and then black white black. What do you got, Philip? You guys are being generous. I am. I'll be put it this way: I'm trying not to try to stay optimistic, uh, not lean in too far into the skid, into the into the negativity um, with the fan base. Look, I, I don't see OSU winning this game, which means they'll do it. But that's not the point. The point is, uh, man, Iowa State hasn't been home. It's homecoming. A, uh, they haven't been home for weeks. The last two games were on the road, so they're gonna be excited to play at home. Fan base is going to be excited. Um, have we mentioned that Iowa State hasn't lost a game in the month of October, like since Matt Campbell got there? I think basically the it's, last two it's years. It's October. Well, but they did this. They did this two years ago. They didn't lose a game in October back in 2017 either. So they are ten and zero so far, going for eleven and zero in October. Man. 
I'm not going to overreact to the Baylor game because the the Baylor game got ugly at the in the at the fourth quarter. Um, I think the team it just things just got away from them. I think it did. I think they just started falling apart. I don't think they're going to fall apart in the end. Um, Iowa State and Oklahoma State usually play a fairly close game. Even last year, Iowa State got a big, and Oklahoma State started scoring and trying to get the game close. I do think this will be a closer game. I do think Iowa State covers the ten and a half. Although I can get this line at ten, and I'll take it. Um, man. As far as score prediction goes, I don't trust Spencer Sanders to not turn the ball over yet, which means OSU is going to score less and Iowa State's going to score more. I will take, man, OSU's going to afford it. I'll take 41. I'll take 41 31 final score. Um, and as far as uniform predictions, you know what? This feels this feels like a tricolor. This feels like a black, white, orange. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, you got a helmet in mind? Yeah, black. Well, I mean <laughs> damn it, Philip. <laughs> um, I'll go I'll go black with uh I'll go the that that chrome orange brand that they have. Um mm. Chrome face mask. I don't know. White stripe. I don't know. I don't know what stripe, but uh, or maybe just no stripe. But I'll go. I'll go black, and I'll go with the brand. Mm. Good pick. So you said Iowa State has lost the game in October. They're ten and zero. Yeah. Let me go. Does go does, uh, pull up uh, the twenty sixteen schedule and see how far it goes back. Okay. Does the date Sunday the seventh or Sunday the sixth, April, two thousand fourteen, ring a bell to you? April sixth, two thousand fourteen. Um, in April? No. That was the day a man named the Undertaker wrestled at WrestleMania. A streak they said could not be beaten. The streak ended that night. <laughs> All streaks are meant to come to an end. Okay. Okay. Welcome to the Cowboys Ride for Free podcast. It also doubles as a wrestling podcast now. WWE. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. The, well, so, so since the start of uh, since the start of 2017, Iowa State is 10 and 0 in the month of October. Hey, they're about to be ten and one. If if OSU comes out to Phantom Peak, they're going to be ten and one. <laughs> I can give I me can that. Guarantee you that. That's the Undertaker curse. It's going to happen. If they don't, I don't know if it happens or not. All right. So right. fingers crossed for Phantom Peak. Give, give us. Say what? Either. I will rock my I will rock my Phantom Peak T-shirt on Saturday. Just yeah, just to help. Need Phantom Peak. All right. Yeah. Do, you, do you guys have any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Um. um oh. Uh. Go ahead, please. I gotta look something up. Oh, uh, I was about to say it. <clears throat> Not much. I mean, just the football teams. <clears throat> I've actually been on more bad football teams than good football teams. <laughs> so uh, I know how it is losing, and it's not a fun feeling, but uh. Man, 
what Oklahoma State's going through right now obviously isn't fun, but at the end of the day, you got to look and uh, you got a lot better than a whole lot of schools out there. I mean, it could be we could be Tennessee right now. Um, but I do it remember could be, one. It thing. could be Rutgers. I mean, yeah, it could be Rutgers. I remember one thing that always stuck with me that Gundy told us on one of his rants. He said, I think it was when like Obama was president. He said he was just up there ranting one day. He said something like, "Well, I don't care who the president is. I might not agree with what he has to do or what his policies are or this and that, but damn it, you got to respect him. You got to respect the office and you got to support what his message is and you got to support him whether you like him or you don't." I think it's the same way the football team and president. I mean, whether you agree or disagree with what he's doing or how the team's doing, you still got to you got to stick by your guy and support him because at the end of the day, we're it's all OSU. It's not just Team Gundy or not Team Gundy. I mean, he's got it. The guy's in charge and he's making the calls, so I support whatever he's doing. And I remember he told us that story. That was something that stuck with me. Oh, Do you think they make a bowl game? Uh, um, see how many more games they have left. Uh, five. They got five. And they need four and three. So they need two wins. So they need two wins. Hey, that's why you. That's why you uh, got that non-conference schedule. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think. I think. I think they'll get two wins. Okay. I, I think they might get. It's usually the year that the OU game doesn't matter. The, the year OSU wins it, I wouldn't put that out of question. In Stillwater, could be a look looking past game for OU for the Big Twelve championship. I wouldn't. And it's Bedlam. I mean, it doesn't matter if OSU doesn't win a game until then. Uh, anything can happen in that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think they win too. Uh, okay. The Kansas game is going to be a little tougher, but I think they beat Kansas. I think they beat uh, I'm done with the one game overreaction to Kansas. I'm done. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to hear it. If it was in Lawrence, I'd be a little worried. It's not. I'm not worried. Yeah. I was about to say, Les Miles is going to be coaching a little bit harder cause, just because it's OSU. But uh, hey, he left us, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big win for him, so that'll be a good game. Yeah. But, um, yeah they'll get those two. So speaking of Bedlam, closing thought, uh, just remind everybody that it's Bedlam for women's soccer on Friday in Stillwater. Uh, the game is at, or the match is at 7. Or if OSU wins the next two, that's against OU this week and Baylor next week, OSU wins the Big 12 regular season. So get out to Neil Patterson Stadium if you can and go cheer on the Cowgirls in Bedlam soccer. And if you can't be there, uh, it will be on ESPN Plus, and I will be at home watching it, much to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> Honestly, I don't have any final thoughts on this one. Go Pokes. Beat Iowa State. We can hope. Um... We'll just go from there. Kip, thank you so much for joining us tonight. This has been awesome. We're definitely going to need to get you on again. Uh, for anyone that wants to follow you on Twitter, where can they follow you? Uh, shoot. I think my name is Kip Kip under dash hooray. Which is awesome, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. That's I great. Think, 
I don't know how that nickname came about, but uh, along the lines of some locker room somewhere, that's where I got it. Probably after hitting some like 55-yard bomb to pin a guy inside the 10. Yeah, actually, it was actually when uh, I think it, was, it went back to my when I used to kick field goals. I think, yeah, it was actually when I was at UCLA. They would chant, Kip, Kip, and if I'd make it, they'd go, hooray. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of fun times on, on football teams. So I don't, I, the pokes aren't doing, they're not too down on it. I mean, you can find some fun in that locker room, but man, there's, there's a lot of good times, a lot of good stories in, in locker rooms and football teams. Philip, where can everyone follow you? Uh, you can follow me personally at OKTXAR Poke. Um, I would also say follow my show, the 1012 Podcast, T E N the number 12, the word podcast. Uh, we will have, I don't know when this is going up, but our Wednesday big game preview is Oklahoma State at Iowa State this week. Follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. And we will be back after the Iowa State game to recap it. And we will talk to you all then.